0: Any run can be good when you're with good people. The pace is fun, you're looking around, you're enjoying it, you're in the moment, and you get home safe.
1: I mean, you're even saying here that like a bad run could be a good run.
0: Oh, I I embrace my bad runs, for sure. They they're the ones that probably give me the most amount of progress, right? If I don't have a bad run, I'm not I I'm probably not pushing myself hard enough or not going after big enough goals. So I love I love a good bad run.
1: Everybody, Emily Abadi here, you are listening to Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. Now, if you're an avid Hurdle listener, you may be wondering, what is this special episode doing in my feed on a Thursday? Well... I'm here to gift you the gift of better running. This week, I had the honor of sitting down with four amazing humans, I'll get to their names in just a second, to have a conversation about tackling all of the hurdles that we face on the run in honor of the upcoming New York City Marathon on November 7th. And now I hosted this conversation in community with my friends at Lululemon. We had it inside their Fifth Avenue store at their venue called Hub 17. And honestly, it was such a joy, just such a wonderful opportunity to be able to get together with this New York City running community that has given me so much. Now, like I said, I had some really great guests for this conversation that you're gonna hear from today. First up, Matt James, Lululemon ambassador and founder of ABC Food Tours. Cheryl Donald, a Brooklyn Track Club teammate of mine, a staple in running culture here in New York. Also, Tim West, a founder of Bandit Running, another Brooklyn Track Club teammate of mine. And last but certainly not least, Melody Weston. She is the SVP of Development and Marketing at Back On My Feet. Now, we actually held a raffle on site and donated all of the proceeds to back on my feet. So I was so, so stoked to be able to do some good. And again, that come together in a moment that we haven't had in quite some time leading up to my, just my favorite time in New York City. Like I mentioned, we did have a raffle. I do want to thank so many of the amazing brands that donated items for us to raffle off, including my good friends at Motive, where I go for physical therapy down on Mott Street here in New York, as well as Athletic Greens, Element. Beam, Inside Tracker, Bandit, Lululemon, and Hyper Ice. Now, this is exciting. On the Hyper Ice note, if you were at the event on site in New York, then you may have seen a beautiful array of so many of my favorite Hyper Ice products, and some of you even used them laid around in some Normatec boots, gained all of the benefits of a solid. Recovery moment. Well, I have some news. It's been a long time coming. Hyper Ice is Hurdle's newest sponsor. I have been, oh my God, I've been using Hyper Ice products for years now. They are 125% a part of my feel better solution to compact both the repercussions of my training and the strain of daily life as a woman running my own business and also literally running around. Everywhere. A huge, huge thank you to the Hyperize team for supporting the show. I'm gonna talk more about some of my favorite products in just a little bit, but in the meantime, of course, we do have a discount for you. Do what you love more and discover their collection of Hyperize products at hyperice.com. Use the code Hurdle10. That's Hurdle10 at checkout to get 10 percent off all Hyperize tech, including. NormaTech and Hypervolt. Again, use code HURDLE10 at checkout to get 10% off your purchase today. This is something that so many of you have been asking me for for so so long, and so it makes me so happy to announce this and to be able to offer this to you and to move into this new chapter of this partnership with Hyperice. Now, Like I said, beautiful conversation on deck, talking about all the hurdles we face on the run from nutrition and getting started to towing the starting line getting involved in your local run community. Safety, I mean, we literally cover all of the bases. I am so, so thankful again for my lovely panelists and excited to bring you this chat. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on social, it's at Hurdle Podcast. I'm over at Emily Abadi. And with that, Let's get to hurdling. So, so excited to be here tonight at Hub 17 inside of Lululemon. Thank you so much to Lululemon and my family there for having us this evening. I, like I said, my name is Emily. I host a podcast called Hurdle. I'm so excited to have you all here. It feels so Beautiful to have this opportunity to be in community after what a hell of an 18 months of community looking a little bit different. And of course, we are here tonight to celebrate because we've got the New York Marathon coming up. Can I have hands raised for marathoners in the room? Oh, wow. We got a lot. We love this. We love this. Well, I'm excited to be running alongside all of you and also cheering you on. And tonight here, we are going to be talking about all well, a lot of the hurdles that we face on the run from getting started to actually towing the line, whether you're racing a mile, a 5K, or a marathon. And to do that, I've got some really awesome people up here with me. So I am gonna go down the row here. I'm gonna introduce them, and then I'll let them say a little bit about themselves. So first up, we've got Melody Weston. How you doing, Mel?
2: Hi. Oh, my friends call me Mel. I'm glad we're here already. (laughs) Oh, we're
1: here.
2: (laughs) Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm Melody Weston. Um, I'm here representing other marathoners who aren't running this year, but have some New Yorks under their belt. I'm also the Senior Vice President of Marketing and Development at Back on My Feet. So I know there's quite a few volunteers out there who've run with us before, and I'm really excited to be here.
1: Thank you so much. Tim, what's up?
0: What's up? Hi, I'm Tim. Um, I am the founder of Bandit Running, a, uh, a new running apparel startup. Um, I'm running New York in, tw- what are we at, 12 days now? Something which like that. I've lost count. I'm trying not to keep count. It's <laughs> terrifying. I don't like to think about it. But um, yeah, I'm excited to be here.
3: Thank you for coming. Next up, we've got Cheryl Donald. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Mike's on? Okay. <laughs> Mike is on. <laughs> so my name is Cheryl Donald. I am the chairperson of Brooklyn Track Club as well as the, one of the co-captains. And um, running New York City. This will be my fifth NYC Marathon. Looking forward to it. 17th Marathon. Woo! Uh, so, yeah. We're going to talk all things running.
1: <laughs> so, excited. And last but not least, we've got Matt James.
3: What's going
4: on, y'all? I'm excited to be running my first New York City marathon in a couple, I guess, two weeks now. Um, I am here as a run ambassador for Lululemon Manhattan, the entire city. Um, I've met a lot of these panelists through um, the community that's been built around running, so I'm excited to, to meet you all and share my experiences.
1: I'm so amped. Let's give it up for our panelists here tonight. So whether you are here IRL tonight or you're listening to this on the feed, I do want to say thank you so much for being a part of this community. I think the best part about running is that we have the opportunity to learn and do it with others and grow uh, from the lessons that we learn from one another. But what we're here to talk about tonight, the hurdles that we face on the run, and I can see from like the nodding in the audience, there are a lot of them. The first hurdle starting, right? Wow. Starting to run is so intimidating. Melody, do you remember your first run?
2: Oh, (laughs) my first run was probably about 2000. And my friend Laura, who was like five feet tall and a bundle of energy was like, oh, you can run. And I was like, no, no, no. I I was probably 30 pounds heavier. I smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. Um, And she was like, no, no, you can. And she took me on a run in the summertime. And I didn't know it was a five mile run. (laughs) And I thought I was dying. I thought I was going to die. I walked a lot. And when we finished, I said, can we do that again tomorrow? (laughs) <laughs> the rest is history. I love that. I love that. Can we do that again tomorrow? I, uh,
1: I don't feel like my intro to running was as smooth as that. What about you, Tim?
0: Yeah, I was just thinking about it. I think my first run was in a race right, which is not a good idea for anyone who's (laughs) starting. I think my dad was, he brought me to a race, which he he was a big runner back in his day, and um, he was like, you're going to love it. And I, like, got to the starting line. I was so nervous. I sprinted as fast as I could. Got to, like, the first corner. I was like, this is brutal. (laughs) (laughs) But I finished, and um, that, you know, being around the community was what kept me going and kept me involved in the sport.
1: And how old were you when you started running?
0: Um, I think that first race had to be when I was 12 or 13.
1: Okay, yeah. okay, an intimidating moment. I think I was about 13 as well, and I actually came in last in my first race. Like, that's not an exaggeration. Police sweeper car, me and my dad. I had a walkie-talkie on my, like, pant top in case we got separated because we were in Trumbull, Connecticut, which is obviously super dangerous.
3: <laughs> Cheryl, first run? Oh, uh, gosh. So I've always run on the treadmill. But my first race was actually 2013. It was the bed Turkey Trot. And I showed up in Thanksgiving with uh, cropped pants and a bubble jacket. I was, ready <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to run. And we did, for those of you who are familiar with bed Brooklyn, we ran around Von Keen Park like three times, I think it was, to get this done. Um, Total bad look, but it was fun, and I was like, no, maybe I can do this a little bit better if I do a little bit more gear. (laughs) Seasonally appropriate, but it was fun.
1: Oh, my God. I think for the first, like, four years of running for me, it was cotton leggings that you'd buy from Target because they were, like, $8.99, and Hanes cotton v-necks. Buy the pack, like, five-pack, Walmart, done. Matt, I'm going to blow up your spot a little bit because – Two years ago, 2019, you ran your first marathon. Talk to us about that experience for you.
4: That was tough. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when we were training, we—I uh, was training with my roommate, and we hadn't. Neither one of us had ever run a marathon before, so we just kind of put the miles together when we had time and I wouldn't recommend that to most people running their first marathon. Um, but the the energy of the, of the city of Chicago just carried us through the race. And anyone who's participated in a marathon as a volunteer, as a runner, um, you can um, probably uh, relate to that energy that you get on race day with people just cheering you on and pushing you through. So the city of Chicago got me through that first marathon.
1: I love that, I love that. And I mean, a uh, a bigger energy, I would say, here in New York, which you're about to experience for the first time. Uh, we have everyone up here has actually, well, you soon to join the ranks of this greatness on the rest of the panel, has run the New York City Marathon, a huge hurdle within itself because of so many things, including, I would say at times, the elevation. Do you remember the most difficult part about your first New York City Marathon, Tim?
0: Waking up is always hard for me, so before we even get to the start line, um, but the bridges, right, seven bridges, it's tough, um, and they keep coming, and even the small ones hurt. Sometimes those hurt the worst. Um, you'll, you'll see, Matt. Uh, um, and then, of course, going down Fifth Avenue to Central Park is absolutely brutal because you're like, you, you can sense the finish line, but it's still a few miles away, and those are obviously the toughest miles, but... Um, the crowd is electric, so.
1: That's for sure, that's for sure. You mentioned the hurdle of early mornings. Cheryl, you've mastered this hurdle. I see you out
3: there early in the morning. I'm an early morning running, but there is nothing like getting up at 4 a.m., getting a cab to take, what is it, the ferry that we take? I don't even remember, it's so early. (laughs) And I get up early, I do the lift. When we used to do lift shared, you know, COVID, we don't do that anymore. And I would be all ready with my marathon gear doing a shared lift. And then everyone else was coming home from the club.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's always like Halloween weekend, right? So you see like the, mm, you know, at like 6, 7 a.m. and they shouldn't be out at 6, 7 a.m.
3: And so they're like, where are you Are you running the marathon? That's so cool. They're still drunk. So high. I feel like an asshole. But whatever, whatever. It's it's always a good time. But that New York City uh, wake up is tough. We lose that hour. Well, we gain an hour of sleep. I don't even know. Uh, But that's that's the challenge. It is. But.
1: On the note of early morning running, for someone who's struggling getting out of bed and committing to that early morning workout, what advice would you offer to them?
3: You know, know your schedule. So I always think about what will happen if I don't get up in the morning and get this run done. I absolutely know that it won't happen in the evening. Uh, So it's like, do I get up now or do I feel guilty later? So I try to guilt myself to get up in the morning. You know, all the traffic that I'm going to beat if I get up before everyone else gets up. So all of those fun things. And it's also beautiful to watch New York City get up in the morning. It's really a nice treat. I know, Matt, you're a a 5 a.m.er. What gets you out of that in the morning?
4: I think that I know that if I don't get it done in the morning, that it's just not going to get done. And there's something therapeutic about waking up and just grinding you know and like being up before everyone else is up you feel like you're you got a head start to the day and like you said you get to see new york city wake up which is incredible um and you just like i said you just feel like you're out there putting in that work before everyone else is and then when everyone's waking up you're done and like then your day starts so i feel like my day doesn't start until i get that first workout in
1: and I can relate to what you both are saying, both about getting it done, that feeling really great, also, uh, you know, being awake when the rest of the city's sleeping. Tim, on the other hand, not a morning person whatsoever, and loves the evening workout. So, Tim, why?
3: <laughs> I mean, it's something that
0: I would love to change, to be honest, and I, I try, I like, go through um, phases where I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna get up, and that phase usually lasts, like, zero days. Um, <laughs> a big alarm snoozer. Um, I love the evening workout because it's a great way to clear my mind after a long day, right? Um, Doing Bandit full-time is really tough and um, it's all, it's very consuming and I need to put my phone away, get away from the computer Sometimes I don't run with headphones. I don't even want, I don't want any electronics on me and I just go and I clear my mind for an hour, an hour and a half. Um, and it's just a really nice way to re- reset for the for the evening.
1: I love that. And I know, uh, Melody, you've ran a, a handful of marathons now. How many? Four. Four marathons. Four marathons. And you told me that you'll never run a marathon that's not New York ever again. I
2: was going to tell Matt, like, be prepared. You're never going to do Chicago. New York will ruin it for you because there is nothing like running the New York marathon. And why do you say that? There is something about the city, even when on the years when I'm not running. And the city, like I said for years that... Marathon day is the best day to be in New York. Like, the whole city comes alive. And whether you're cheering or looking out your window and seeing the runners or complaining about the traffic being blocked because of the runners, like, it's something that brings the city together. And, I mean, I I did two other marathons that weren't New York. And then once I did New York, it was all over. And now... (laughs) that's it. Do you remember, I know before we started chatting here, you had mentioned to me
1: that one year you were so excited that you left home without your fuel belt, but I want to segue with that because I want to talk about fueling, which is a massive hurdle. I would almost argue one of the biggest ones for so many runners, especially as you start to undertake more distance. So talk to me about, you know, what kind of fueling strategy works for you and how did you kind of learn that over time?
2: Well, I learned what not to do so my first marathon I was very young I was like 21 and um and I made all the mistakes you can make. On marathon day, I was trying new fuels. I was like, maybe I'll try like this caffeinated fuel. And you can imagine how well that went by mile 20. Um, (laughs) And over the years, I have found what works. I like candy, I have a sweet tooth. So when jelly beans or candy kind of gummies came out that were fuel, that were somewhat natural, like those worked for me and now I'm like every four 40 minutes. I have a half of a bag of my stingers or, you know, my beans and I like the candy aspect. It makes me feel good. Anything I can do to make those miles just a touch easier um, and (laughs) I'm in (laughs) and nothing new on race day. Oh,
1: the biggest (laughs) rule. Cheryl, biggest piece of advice for first time marathoners aside from nothing new on race day?
3: Plan ahead plan your strategy ahead, and plan a couple of days ahead. So you're gonna be so excited the day before, trying to figure out what time to wake up in the morning, making sure that you have everything. So, so plan it out. I really look at the hours. I think about the bus is 5.45, I'll be on Staten Island at this time, this is how long I'll be sitting there, what do I wanna eat, bring breakfast with you while you're sitting out there. Just plan ahead, write it down, don't leave it in your head because you will be so excited, you'll forget everything.
1: that's a good tip writing it down i also think when it comes to planning ahead um i've even gone as far as like taking photos of like exactly what i want to wear so i don't pull like the wrong thing out of the drawer when i'm super frazzled oh tim's nodding like he's done he's done love a good fit Love (laughs) love a good fit um planning ahead super good tip matt what tip would you offer a new marathoner
4: i would say to pace yourself um I know the first time we ran in Chicago, um, we were so stoked that we were out there and we took off like, we're going like 6.30, like, and that's was, we, we were supposed to be running like 9.30. And so, and our watches for some reason, I don't know if y'all have had this problem, like I couldn't get a read on my watch. Like everyone's technology's like going crazy. So I didn't know how fast we were going until like mile 12 where I was like looking back and I was like, oh my gosh, like we took off. So I would say to pace yourself and just to listen to your body because um, there was times again when we're running even when we're training and I'm supposed to be at a certain pace at this mileage and I just shut it down because I'm like I want to be healthy for race day and I think it's more more important to get to the finish line or to start healthy than like beaten up but like you hit all your training so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we're talking here, obviously, about the hurdle of running your first marathon. And we referenced earlier how valuable community can be in getting to that starting line. Let's talk a little bit about the hurdle of getting involved in community, right? Because that can feel really intimidating, even though you can, you know, walk up and see a shining face like Cheryl greeting you when you get to a track, even getting to the track can be super, super intimidating. I know for me, I mean, I've lived in New York for 11 years now, and it took me eight years to really get involved in the New York running community, maybe nine years to actually pay membership dues somewhere. So it's it's a little intimidating, it's a little intimidating. Uh, I guess I'll ask you, because of your role here with Brooklyn Track Club, what would you say, uh, what kind of piece of advice would you offer to someone who's interested in getting into community, but a little nervous about it?
3: Take a chance, take a risk, right? Running is a risk, getting out there on the streets and just doing your own thing is a risk. So look on Instagram, isn't Instagram wonderful? I didn't have Instagram coming up. Um, And take a look at the different run crews and just pay attention to what they're about. You know, everyone has a different tone. Everyone has a different culture. Shop around, right? The one thing about New York that I can say about all the crews, and I think I've run with pretty much all of them at some point, um, is that they're all very welcoming. And you can just kind of dip in, see how many miles they're running, see how it feels for you, see if it's a good fit. Um, Talking about getting to the track, the other thing is logistics, right? Where do they meet? Is that going to be the crew that you're actually going to do regularly based on location? If you're in South Jersey, are you going to make it to McCarran Park every week? Maybe not, right? Uh, Maybe you wanna look at a Manhattan club where the commute is a little bit easier, right? So those are the types of things that I would recommend. Take a risk, just get out there, shop around. Nobody's judging you. Everyone's on the pavement pushing through. Nobody's looking at you trust me nobody is looking no one cares let's just go and just shop around see what feels comfortable for you and make sure it makes sense for you as well
1: I think that's I mean those are all really great pieces of advice I also think uh showing up with an attitude that you want to meet new people, right? Because if you show up and you're there and you're staring at your Instagram and there's all this stuff going on around you, IRL, then you're not going to have the experience that you could have if you had shown up and been more open to your surroundings, to meeting new people and having that attitude, like this is actually something that I really want to get involved in, right? Uh, Something else I love that you mentioned here, which kind of, gets me into the segue of making exercise a regular habit. You said, like, make it convenient for you. Conveniency is the, I would argue, one of the top barriers to making exercise or running a regular routine, right? If you are doing things consciously or unconsciously to make that experience difficult for you, then that's not going to help you out. When it comes to making running a regular part of your routine, what are uh, certain things that you do to make it easier for you tim
0: yeah sometimes i'll work in my running clothes um i I didn't invent that that's a you know that's a tale as old as time it's a great great trick um finding a friend to get started to go into the community is what i did like from the outside looking in um the clubs can seem pretty intimidating but the fact of the matter is those clubs want you they want you to join um and so you know find a friend show up at a practice you don't need to be the most extroverted person on day one right you can just slow like i crept in started meeting friends and and that was a huge help and now you know my best friends are in the running community
1: yeah yeah and uh on the note of working in your running clothes i used to have a roommate that would go to sleep in the clothes she wanted to wear to bar class the next day but, like, I found that to be so uncomfortable because I don't like to sleep in a sports bra, but, like, to each their own, I guess. Yeah, to each their own. I, I want to I wanna keep focused here on this idea of uh, barriers to entry for making exercise and running a regular habit. Uh, Melody, when you think about, for you, like, what helped you stick with it, what do you think about
2: Well, you talked a little bit about community and I'm going to just, I just want to bring it back to back on my feet for a second here because that is such a huge pillar of what we do. So for those of you who don't know, we're a national nonprofit and we have one of our largest programs is in New York City. So we have different teams that run at 5.30 in the morning. So morning people um, with people who are experiencing homelessness or overcoming addiction. And one of the things that when you guys talked about joining in community is like, I can be my own worst enemy and can talk myself out of doing something that could be really great. And I mean, I work it back on my feet. I know that what we do works, and I still get nervous when I am going out to a morning circle up to meet our members. And the fact that I can go and maybe say hello to someone else who looks like there might be a little bit more uncomfortable than I am in my own skin, like that's what keeps me coming back. The fact that I can help someone else to be a little bit more comfortable, or we have a big we have a, um, a big motto on no one's left behind so no one runs alone so I know even if I'm gonna be the slowest person I'm not gonna run alone and sometimes I just find that person who's going the slowest and they're probably a little uncomfortable I make them feel comfortable at the run Um, because it is like that community aspect is like when you show up at those circle ups people see you and they recognize you and then the more you show up when you don't show up, they're like, "Hey, where were you and you become part of that community, like being that active participant that you talked about, Emily, and and making sure that we're there to to help each other overcome those barriers." So,
1: such such good advice here. I'm going to pivot a little bit and ask Matt to talk to me about his last bad run.
4: I think my philosophy on bad on a bad run's changed because, you know, I think I used to think that, all right, I got to go out, I have to, I have to hit every mile at the pace I'm trying to hit it at, and like the more I've had this philosophy of listening to my body, that's kind of changed. So like <clears throat> technically, if I would say my last run, you know, because like I went out there with every intention of running all 20 miles, and we stopped numerous times, but that's because I'm listening to my body, and before I would have been like, that was a horrible run, but the objective was accomplished. you know, we got our miles in. Uh, we didn't cramp. We didn't get hurt, and um, I guess depending on who you ask, that would have been a great run. But for us, it was it was enough because it, uh, we hit our mile point.
1: Cheryl, okay, number seventeen on the horizon for you. Have you ever had a quote unquote bad
3: marathon? Sore spot. Uh... <laughs> I will say, um, 17, it's it's hard to, I think any marathon that you finish is a good marathon, right? Any marathon that you start and finish is a good marathon. Uh, I I would say that my worst performance at a marathon was my very first marathon. It was the Los Angeles marathon. It was the hottest day ever, like on record in LA, and it was February. It was Valentine's Day, ironically. Um, And I think it took me five hours to finish that race and everyone kept saying just finish the race don't try to pr all you know they were hosing us down with water Uh, but it was such a great experience because i had never been to la and i said you know what this is my first marathon i just want to finish it I want to see LA, and they take you through all these wonderful parts of the city that, you've, that I've never seen before, only on television. So I really enjoyed that marathon. Um, and I also ran LA because I knew I was running New York City uh, later in the year, and I didn't want New York to be my first. Uh, so I wanted to know what my body was going to do over 26 miles before I did it in front of all of my friends and family. <laughs>
1: You know, it makes me think of uh, that saying that, like, someone would kill for your worst days, right? Because, I mean... I don't believe that there's ever a good way to describe something as slow or maybe fast. I know a lot of us reference those perhaps slower miles as like sexy pace, right? So there are plenty of people out there that would kill for that five hour marathon, right? Uh, And that other point that you referenced here about uh, any marathon that you start and finish is a good marathon. Uh, I'll transition this into the topic of injury, a huge, huge, huge hurdle within running. It sounds that Matt's really mastered this idea of like listening to his body as to not get injured. Uh, But sometimes even when you're listening to your body, injury happens, right? You are walking past this couch and I break my toe. I am walking down my stairs and I fall down three flights. Like these are things that I would do. And so you can't always prepare for these moments, right? But I do think something that I've had to learn this year and not being able to show up to one of the starting lines that I had planned is that through these hurdles, we get to uh, redefine what's Success looks like. For me, I was talking about the value of getting involved in the New York City running community, maybe more than ever in the past year. And that for me was probably the biggest win in a marathon buildup that looked nothing like I had thought that it would look like. Uh, On the injury front, Tim, have you ever navigated a injury that set you back from a goal that you had originally set out for yourself?
0: Yes. Um, I, w- I got injured earlier this year uh, when I was training for Ultras. It was my ankle and I could no longer run for several hours on it. I could. So you talk about redefining what success looks like and pivoting to a new strategy, right? So I took it as an opportunity to try going fast for short distances and figuring out what I could do and um, getting involved in the community in different ways uh, to stay active. Getting injured is one of the loneliest experiences, because everybody's like, oh, speedy recovery, and you're like, thanks, (laughs) and then then that's it, Um, so, you know, staying involved, finding somebody else who's injured, going to rehab together, um, like, those shared experiences and those bonds that you form through injured, everybody gets injured, um, really help get you through it.
1: And I love what you said about uh, ultimately when you got back into the swing of things with running, like reframing some of your goals at the time uh, and viewing that as an opportunity Keyword opportunity to like make that shift and to try something new. Uh, in the moment, hard to change that perspective. I also think, especially from my injury journey, but really from most, what someone will tell you is that in that moment, that time on the sidelines, like literally feels like forever. It feels like an eternity. You're never going to run again. You're never going to move again. Life is over. Life is so sad. But in retrospect, when you take some time to look at what had happened more often than not, you're like, oh, that was only a month and a half, six weeks, two months, three months, even, I mean, I hate to say this, but not that every moment isn't valuable, but a year in the scheme of things, you know, one moment you could be sidelined for a year and the next year you could be having the time of your life. So I do think looking for the opportunity and all that, you're looking at me like you got, you want to chime in.
0: No, I think you're dead on. I, I'm just, I'm just agreeing with you. That's it.
2: Uh, Melody, have you been injured? Yes, not from running, but I am. Um, you know, a couple years ago, I got into the CrossFit phase. Oh, uh, raise <laughs> your hand if you've had a CrossFit phase. <laughs> oh, not as many. Of them. All not right, a lot of all right. <laughs> and I still, I still power lift, but I hurt my back squatting 200 pounds because you know, no still in a cot. No big deal. But doing it over and over again I did hurt my back because I just wasn't I was I was being reckless I wasn't taking care of myself and I was out for I couldn't squat for a year a year before I could like squat a barbell again and it was you know I feel like people who run marathons like we're a type you know as I I think I said earlier like I'm not the dip your toe into the water kind of person I'm like we're all in but um that year of not being able to like i couldn't sit for long periods of time i couldn't stand for long periods of time i really learned how to be in tune with my body in a way that i've never been before and you know what matt said earlier like i didn't listen to my body i would just go 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 and it really taught me to listen and to just also humble myself like i don't nike's lululemon's not calling me to be an ambassador guys like this is (laughs) i this is like something that I'm supposed to do for fun and when I put so much pressure on myself like what, am I really enjoying it and it really taught me to like start at the building blocks go back and like think about why I'm doing these things and is it fun or is it ego and um and now I really enjoy lifting and I don't lift 200 pounds <laughs> and it's it's I really enjoy it though I move and I don't. I'm not in pain when I sit. I'm not in pain when I walk. And and that's a gift.
1: Yeah, it is a gift. And and the idea that that time in that time of maybe not doing the thing that you started with, right, is another opportunity to try something new. Definitely, for sure. Definitely. In my time, I decided that I would buy a Peloton bike. Oh. Yeah.
2: Oh, just a cheap, a cheap pivot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want one so bad.
3: <laughs> a
1: cheap pivot. Uh, shout out to Mirror inside of a lululemon store right now.
3: <laughs>
1: I uh, we talked about enjoyment, uh, and we're talking about obviously finding ways to do more of that on the run. Cheryl, what would you say is one of the things um, that you enjoy most about running? Perhaps even articulating
3: your why, why do you run? (sighs) I run because it keeps me sane and it keeps me even, even before the pandemic. I know a lot of folks got into running um, as a way to kind of manage the stress and anxiety of the pandemic, Uh, but I was running to manage the stress and anxiety of my life years before the pandemic. And it really is um, important for me to have the opportunities as much as I love community and running with the crews, um, and running with my team, it's really important to run alone sometimes for me. Um, and those mornings where I can just do my own thing, set the tone for my day is really important and I really enjoy that. Um, I'm one of those offensive people that runs with headphones. Um, so some of you, I've been, people have take literally taken pictures of me on Instagram, like on their stories, calling my name and not listening and me not hearing and then I see myself running uh, somewhere in the neighborhood don't do that, Um, but it really is an opportunity for me to really enjoy that, enjoy the me time. So I really cherish that. And then of course the community. I mean, you know, I was thinking about injury, right? And when you're injured, one of the things that you tend to miss is the community, right? Because that's what brings you together with people and just finding different ways to stay connected is really important during those injury times. Uh, I know we talked a lot about London and we were so excited about that, Uh, but then you pivoted and you had a wonderful time while we were in London. And I said, wow, that's how you pivot, right? <laughs> that's took how you pivot. A little, took a little trip to Italy instead of running a marathon. Yeah, a little trip. I wish I was in Italy when I was about mile 22 <laughs> at the London Marathon. Um, but those are the things that I really, really enjoy are the me times. And that's important that we don't want to lose that, our why.
1: A break from today's chat to talk to you again about my new partnership with Hyper Ice. This literally couldn't be more organic as I use my Hyper Ice products every single day. I am a huge fan of my Normatech boots. They are a staple in my post-long run routine alongside a BLT and some element, the perfect recovery massage that helps me increase circulation in my sore muscles as well as reduce pain and overall soreness. I call them my on-call personal misuse. <laughs> Plus, I love that you can customize each seven with their seven different intensity levels and select which zone or area, you want to give a little extra love to. I also have to give some love to my Hypervolt 2 with three speed settings. This handheld percussive massage device is my go-to for both my pre-run warm-up and a staple in my cool-down routine. It helps me increase my range of motion while reducing muscle soreness and stiffness, and I honestly legit keep mine on my TV console like a piece of art. Like, that's how often I use it, and that's how much I appreciate it. Like I mentioned at the top of this episode, of course, we have a discount for you. Do what you love more and discover their collection of Hyperice products at hyperice.com. That's H-Y-P-E-R-I-C-E.com. And use the code Hurdle 10 at checkout to get 10% off all Hyperice tech, including Normatec and Hypervolt. Again, the code is Hurdle 10 at checkout at hyperice.com to get 10% off your purchase today. wearing headphones on the run, maybe so much so on the on the volume note that you're kind of like in your own world. We also have talked about early running, meeting back on my feet at 5.30, Matt's up at 5.00 AM. Uh, this brings about an important hurdle and an important topic for us to address, which is safety, right? Uh, obviously running in numbers can be a really, uh, important tool to feel more safe on the run, especially super early or later. Um, I'd be curious, Matt, if you, and maybe I'm asking you this like as a woman, because I think about this a lot when I go running at like 6am, 630 in the morning, do you think about safety when you go out in the morning?
4: You know, that's one of the privileges I have is that's something that, you know, I don't really think about, um having a girlfriend now you know she sends me screenshots of the person who's picking her up in her uber and when they're leaving the house and i have accountability partners when they're going to run who are females that text me like hey i'm going on a run i think there's an app yep. um that people was it cheryl that you could drop the bar
3: uh, road id
4: yeah road id mm-hmm. um so there's a lot of stuff out there but you know i'm very fortunate that you know that's not something that i have to think about um but one of the things that I do think about in terms of safety just from like a body standpoint is like let's get back to, to Mel um just listening to my body like that's safety like it's like I'm hurting but I, I need I need to run 16 miles today like I'm just gonna get on uh I'm gonna get on the exercise bike or I'm gonna get like an hour on the jump rope and like simulate like the, the beating my knees and joints are gonna take in another way yeah uh opposed to like going out there and like pulling a groin or pulling a hamstring and really setting myself back
1: definitely and i think uh On that note, we're talking about going out on a training run. There's a lot of safety uh, things that you can keep in mind when you're going out on a training run, not just for like your personal safety, right? If you're going on a run and you're going to be out there for a long time, are you running in an area that you know of? Do people know that you're heading out there? And also, I mean, we talked about fueling before. The importance of having fuel on a run like that is absolutely critical. Uh, Again, I mentioned that you go running often at 5.30 in the morning. I remember when I... Uh, was volunteering with the members up in Harlem uh, for Back on My Feet. I lived about, I want to say, maybe 20, 25 blocks south of them on the Upper East Side at the at the time. And that was the one run of my week when I was running up there at like 520. No headphones. My dad, like years ago, bought me the most, the ugliest, love you dad, the ugliest neon like sweatshirt from Dick's Sporting Goods that he could find and like gave me that to wear on this 515 runs. So what do you think about when it comes to safety at that time of day?
2: I mean, it's, it's. Part part of the nature of what we do and where, where our members are is that some of the areas are, you have to be street smart. I mean, there are places in some cities, you know, in Boston, for instance, one of the areas where we have a team called Team Hope is on what they refer to as methadone mile. It's not a place that you want to be walking around alone at five in the morning. And our motto is no one runs alone. Part of that is encouragement. Part of it is safety. And part of it is like we bring hope and light and community to these neighborhoods and to these communities and help to bring about change but at the end of the day it's dark it's a large group of people and it's really like talk engage be present but also be street smart, and you know we have volunteers, our core volunteers, who monitor who's in, who's who's at, still out there, and um, and we keep a tight tight roll call on who's there in those morning runs. But it is it's it's a serious you know it's a serious issue, and I have one of our volunteers in Philadelphia who mentioned to me she's like my husband used to get so nervous when I told him where I was going to go run and and then he met our then you know she became part of the community she met our members she met our volunteers and she's like we bring light to these areas 5 30 in the morning we are the bright spot at that in running those one mile two mile three mile runs so but it is like you can't run alone no one runs alone no headphones and and you know preferably flashing lights <laughs> uh, flashing lights. do you have any any uh recommendations on flashing lights I don't have any particular brands. I have a bunch, but I couldn't tell you what the brands were.
1: <laughs> I also think I mean that, that reflective highlight, gear. <laughs> well, that highlight right there of wearing reflective gear is another really like we don't talk about that enough. Luckily, a lot of brands, including Lululemon, like their logos on the gear is reflective. So no matter what you're wearing, no matter what option you pick, you don't need to be wearing neon yellow to be to be seen out there. Although us New Yorkers have a have a thing for wearing copious amounts of black. Uh, but I do want to, I do want to pivot a little bit and I asked, uh, Matt perhaps about his worst run. Tim, do you remember your last really good run?
0: Yeah, it was the, the other day, um, the last 16, I ran it with, uh, two of my buddies that I do a lot of my running with. And the reason it was so good is because the week before I had a really bad run and I was just talking about this with them on the run. And I, I use the analogy. I said, you never want to go into a national championship undefeated, right? You don't want to go into the marathon having all good runs. And my buddy had all good runs going in. And then he had a bad ru- run. And I said, you know, that's a good thing. I'm really glad we got that out of the way for you. Um, and it is, it, a lot of the times, it's the bad ones that make the other ones good. Sometimes you have a streak going, and that feels nice. And then it gets a little bit worrisome. Um, but... Any run can be good when you're with good people, the pace is fun, you're looking around, you're enjoying it, you're in the moment, um, and you get home safe.
1: I mean, you're even saying here that like a, like a bad run could be a good run.
0: Oh, I I embrace my bad runs, for sure. They're, they're the ones that probably give me the most amount of progress, right? Um, if I don't have a bad run, I'm not, I i'm probably not pushing myself hard enough or not going after big enough goals so i love i love a good bad run
1: love a good bad run i i've certainly i feel like i had at least one long run this year in the build-up for the marathon i never ran that i had a legitimate like what felt like an anxiety attack have you has that ever happened to you
3: cheryl Uh, Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And how do you get through the moments on the run that make you ask
3: yourself, why the hell am I even out here running in the first place? Mm. It's interesting when you talk about anxiety attack. Um, I did run the London Marathon and at the end of the race this year, I had an anxiety attack. Like I, I could not breathe. I was pacing so well, I was on the PR track and then it started going off the rails around 22, 23. Um, And I had a friend who was pacing me, and it was just, it felt so good until it didn't. Um, And when it was over, everyone at the end in London, wonderful people, well done, well done, well done. No one says congratulations. Well done, well done, well done. (laughs) And I was just like, if I hear that one more time. Um, But I literally could not breathe. And it was because I was in my head Um, And it was a great time. I mean, it was a 3.53. I told you I started at a five-hour marathon. What am I having? (laughs) So what am I having an anxiety about, right? And And I made it too much, and I forgot what the marathon was about and why we were out there running, and the fact that I was in London, still in the midst of a pandemic and was able to run a live race. So I did get over myself. Um, Thankfully, I had some teammates that were in the finish area who talked me off the ledge. Um, and really, kind of right sized things for me and said, What are you doing? Get yourself together. Uh, but it happens, you know, sometimes we, we lose uh, the target. And like Tim said, uh, everything can't be a perfect run. And so now it's what did I learn from that run? What did I do that I could switch a little bit when I run New York? I'm not trying to PR, but there's always a lesson that you can learn from those quote unquote bad runs. Well done. Well done. In my British oh accent.
1: <laughs> uh also on the note of uh that finish moment a huge hurdle just finishing a marathon i'd love to hear about your favorite ways to celebrate a marathon barbecue oh do we have a preference on the on like what what's happening any now? any tim how do you celebrate a race well
2: done
0: I remember after my first New York City marathon, uh, my family and I went to Pizza Loves Emily. I ordered the, the Big Matt burger, um, came out, one. and I just stared at it and didn't take a single bite. I had <laughs> zero appetite, but I wanted to. I wanted to eat, I wanted to eat the burger. Uh, I drank the beer. A beer after a job well done uh, is, you know, just, it, it, it hits the right
1: I'm, it
3: hits the right notes for me as well, Cheryl. I'm a pancake girl, oh, so I need I need yeah I need anything brunch-ish I need on my plate, and it needs to be super super sweet. So I, I can't do the meat immediately after a marathon. Oh,
2: I go home and nap. Oh, I mean, and then I go eat. Like, got it. I don't. Got every it. time I run 15 or more miles, there's a nap included in that afternoon plan. <laughs> Matt, how did you celebrate Chicago? Um,
4: I, I kind of celebrate after every run, like even training. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, um, like, for instance, the last run we did, I did like, it, wasn't, it was like 10 miles at like 5 a.m. and I made sure we started at five so that we finished at seven when Culture Espresso opened because I have my favorite chocolate chip cookies. So I just intertwine my favorite things into to ending my runs.
1: I feel like we just talked about some of the best barbecue uh, in Brooklyn, but I have a feeling that Matt might have an opinion on the best burger in Manhattan.
4: Ooh, cheeseburgers are my favorite food.
1: Wow. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
1: Fun fact about Matt yeah. James.
4: I love cheeseburgers because I never, like. I think everyone loves, well, I'm not gonna say everybody. I think a lot of people consider like, fine dining like steak or something expensive but like we didn't eat steak growing up you know we ate like i just ate a lot of cheeseburgers so (laughs) i think the best burger that i've had though in the city uh is in the east village it's called whitman's Mm -hmm. and they like have this thing where they like put cheese into the burger so when you cook it and you like bite into it it's like there's cheese coming out (laughs) and um they have really good tater tots too (laughs)
1: I'm going to challenge you to go have the burger at Mercer Kitchen.
4: I've never had that. Put it on the list. Okay. That That is a good
1: burger. It's a good burger. burger. It's a good burger. Well, I am going to open up our little panel to some questions. If you have a question, raise your hand, ask the question. I'll reiterate the question for the people that are listening to this and aren't here, and then we'll we'll answer it. It can be directed at anyone in particular, or it can be a general question, uh, but don't be shy. Feel free to raise your hand and I will just point because it's a little bright up here. So Cheryl, our first audience question is about consistency from Nicole, hailing from downtown Manhattan. She wants to know if you've ever taken a break from running and how that impacted you.
3: Um, I actually have not taken a break from running. So I tend to run year round Um, But I have started listening to my body more, Matt. And it's hard, it's hard to listen to your body. Uh, So sometimes what I will do is not do the mileage. So I will run because I get the mental health benefits of running, but I may not go as far or uh, as hard. It might just be more easy runs, but I just get so much out of getting out there and being one with the pavement uh, that I haven't really taken breaks, uh, but I do, listen to what's happening and maybe scale back. If I'm not training for anything, there's no purpose to go out there and kill yourself. Um, enjoy it and, and really embrace the time in between race. I mean, I've run so many marathons, sometimes I overbook myself. Um, and so I feel like I'm always training for a marathon and that just is a recipe for burnout. Um, so different ways to just balance it is more of what I do.
1: The question that just came in from the audience: Advice on running a virtual marathon. Has anyone at the front of the room run a virtual marathon? Oh, I see head shaking, head shaking. Oh, one no. Okay, it wasn't New York in real life. I want nothing to do with it. Nope. Uh,
4: I ran a virtual half. Okay. Um, the Seawees that um, a bunch that Lululemon puts on. Um, I actually ran it in person as well when it was in Vancouver, and it was one of it was the best race I've ever ran. Stunning! It race. was. I encourage everyone if you had the means to get out there when they put it back on, like you're running along the seaboard. Is that called seawall? Seawall.
1: I see head nods. Oh it's called my the gosh!
4: Seawall. <laughs> yeah, seawall. Um, but no, so they had that virtual, and I just made sure I had fun. Like I did it with a bunch of friends. I was like, Hey, I'm going to be running at this time. Like, does anyone want to do it with me? And people who are training for marathons, like sure. Like I need to get 13 in. like, let's do it. And we just made an event and like, it, there was no pressure. It was like just celebrating run and like having fun with it was like the biggest thing for me. Cause when something stops being fun then I just shy away from it.
3: Yeah.
1: From a logistics POV Cheryl, what logistical recommendations do you have for our friend who's going to be running a virtual marathon?
3: Don't do it in the city. Uh, <laughs> huh. Why do you say that? Um, it's just, it's, it's too much to try and schedule around. In, in my opinion, I did, a, I did London virtually uh, in 2020. And I went up to Rockland Lake and I did it in Rockland. And what was really nice about that is I just told folks, hey, I'm running the virtual London if you want to get some miles with me. And so because it's loops, Uh, people would come and say, hey, I'll run two loops with you and so I really had company the entire time and What was nice about it was London required everyone to run the virtual like on the same day So there were other people out there because after you see people running around like five or six times You know that they're probably doing the same thing you're doing Um, But it also was uninterrupted. You didn't have to worry about (coughs) excuse me Traffic people cutting you off. It's just so much anxiety and it's hard enough to run 26 miles without crowds and support Uh, So really think about the route Uh, make it scenic. Rockland is really beautiful You don't have to run the loops. You can also kind of do the outer parts as well Um, But I'm sure there are other places that are beautiful Palisades Um, But just try not to do it in the city because it just it's too much in my opinion
1: so, I ran a virtual New York City Marathon in New York City. Here we go. I actually really liked it. I started it, I think, at like maybe 5.45 a.m. at Engineer's Gate. I did basically what was a clockwise outer loop uh, perimeter of Central Park and then went down over the Queensboro through Brooklyn, back in over the Manhattan, and then up the West Side Highway. Uh, shout out to Alec, who was cheering for me on the West Side Highway. Uh My advice, if you're going to do a city marathon, whether it's a half or a full or even just like a city virtual race, first of all, uh, have like support in some way. So if someone can be riding a bike while you're running, that is so clutch. But also it could be something as simple as like, someone having water for you, meeting you at like an exact coordinate, or um, maybe like you have a bunch of friends who like at different points are like holding gels for you. That like, just like a regular marathon gives you something to look forward to, which I think is really special. But yeah, like let people know what you're doing. That's my biggest piece of advice, because again, like it can be really lonely. I would say running a virtual marathon can be as lonely maybe as being injured. So uh, be very strategic about how you make that decision to go about it. Uh, And again, the fueling and like the water stations that you can set up. Super, super critical. What advice would you offer for the virtual marathon, Tim?
0: Honestly, you covered most of it. I don't disagree with Cheryl. Maybe for your first one, get out of the city or find a route like the West Side Highway or Central Park where there's no cars. The red lights are horrible. I
1: somehow only stopped at one.
0: That I have a hard time. Believing that. No, I'm just
1: kidding. (laughs) Um, It's Strava, man, it's on Strava.
0: I think I caught one green light, my my solo through New York. Um, It was torture, but yeah, get friends involved. Best advice, Um, let people know for sure.
1: Great question from the audience about goal setting. I'm gonna make this applicable to like all running, cool. Uh, The question is how do you decide what goal you want to set when it comes to your running? Do you want to kick us off, Tim?
0: Sure. Goals for me are one of the most stressful things about running. Um, I try not to pick my goal until race day. Uh, Believe it or not, I try my best to put myself in a good position to know that I will be happy with the progress that I've made over my training block. Um, And then I wake up on the race day and I say, all right, this is what I'm going to try to bust out today. Um, I think that there's this obsession with your marathon time. I want to break three. I wanna do 245, I wanna, do, I wanna break four. I go about it from a pace perspective because that's what all my training is, is all right, let's try to hold seven minute pace or eight minute pace for this long and I'm going into New York saying, I wanna hold this pace or I would be really happy with this pace um, and not worrying so much about the time because time is a flat circle and we don't need to worry about it.
1: Wow, time is a flat circle. <laughs> Insight. Time is a concert. So insightful. so insightful. Cheryl, talk to me about uh, your thoughts on setting smart running goals.
3: I should have taken notes because Tim is dropping some jewels. Don't worry, this will be live on the hurdle feed coming this Thursday. Thank you, Emily. You're um, yeah, I, I would really try to stay away from a, a hard and fast target. Uh, when I tend to train, I, I look at a pace range and try to kind of stay within that range. And then I look at the different types of runs that I'm doing in the training and then kind of target that. That's just to hold some integrity of my runs so that I'm not just out there not being strategic, but also not putting too much pressure on, like Tim said, the actual time. So if you you kind of know your body, you know your ability, you know when you're pushing yourself too hard and you know when you're not pushing yourself hard enough. So in training, just trying to find that nice comfortable medium determining where, where it is usually those are the first few weeks of training where you just don't set a goal you just kind of see where your body is especially after this pandemic where we were all kind of all over the place I mean we didn't really know what our bodies were gonna do when we really started training again and so it was like let's just kind of see where it's at and then a few weeks you'll you'll settle into a pace that's comfortable and then maybe just push yourself a little bit on some of those runs and it'll all work itself out at the end
1: i also think it's like kind of important to stress that like not all your goals need to have anything to do with pace or time right like the goal of making sure that you're having a good time on your run and setting specific goals that again have nothing to do with that time and not to judge again and i say this all the time but don't judge your beginning too harshly make sure that your goal is just that it's your goal Right? I think oftentimes it's super easy, especially in the age of social media, get roped into that comparison trap. If I'm not running this fast or doing this thing or running with this group, then I'm doing it wrong. Nah, like ask yourself, like what is it that you really want? And then move forward from there. The last question of the night, pre-race meals. I'm gonna kick this one off with Matt James.
4: (laughs) Oh man. Um, if you've ever seen the office, you know how Michael Scott carbloaded before, I wouldn't do it on Race Day. So um, I would say for me personally, I just go to whatever my comfort food is, and it just happens to be pasta. Um, so that night before I don't eat like, you know, like, a, like a, someone who's been starving, I just eat something that is going to fuel me through the day. And then after the race, I eat like I've been starving. Um, but I, like, like everyone said on the panel, just like not doing something different. It's like, oh, I've heard that you get a lot of nutrients from liver. So I'm going to have six livers tonight. It's like, <laughs> like, don't do that. Like, find something that is that's your comfort food and it's going to fuel you through the day and then go crazy after.
1: Six whole livers. <laughs> Tim, how do you feel for race?
0: I think I think you know how I feel about what I drink, um, which is uh, I, I have a glass of red wine before every big race, um, and it's kind of a symbol for me to relax and not take it so seriously. It's not life or death, um, and so I've passed that tradition on to some people. And I know Tim
1: eats no food; he only drinks. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: it. With um, uh, it pairs nicely with a. Uh, <laughs> i do pasta and uh grilled chicken i cook it myself always every every time um
1: superstition
0: it's it's a control thing i think yeah i am gonna
1: let that one go for now yeah let's, <laughs> uh
0: yeah grilled chicken pasta one dish right not going crazy um and then a glass of red wine um and yeah that's it
2: melody so I'm gluten free and have been for many, many years. <laughs> and um, and I have found that sweet potatoes tend to be great, but I start like nothing new on race day. Once I start getting up into the higher mileage, even if I'm only training for like a half, I start having those meals. Like the meal I have the night before is not very different than the meal I had the week before my long run. A little hack that i learned last marathon is i find as soon as i hit like the 15 12 to 15 miles i get really hungry on the run and the fuel that i'm have with me isn't enough so i have gluten-free steel-cut oats with cashews and dried fruit in the mornings for breakfast and that was like when i discovered that that was like a game changer for me as far as like keeping my energy level throughout you brought something up that's important that I was gonna ask Cheryl about. What are you eating in the morning
1: before?
3: I would just tell you to try it beforehand, whatever. So, Cause you really need to know how your food digests. That's really important. Um, and so if I'm out in Staten Island at seven o'clock, I usually start eating banana and peanut butter on a bagel on the bus. And so I'll have like half of that on the bus. And then maybe 30 minutes to 45 minutes later while we're hanging out, I'll have the other half of that. And then I'll start fueling about, um, and I usually do the Martin uh, drink. So I'll do um, 160 about an hour before the start time and then kind of go from there. That's just trial and error over the years, um, but you really have to think about that ahead of time, especially for New York, because you spend so much time on Staten Island, I can't stress that enough. Um, if you run other marathons, you can just leave your hotel room if they're out of town and just cross the street and you're at the starting line, you can't do that for New York, so you really need to Pack your lunch and pack your breakfast. Um, eat it on the ferry, eat it on the bus, wh- however you're getting there and just be strategic there. But know how this stuff digests because that's the last thing you want is to be waiting on the line and don't make it on time. Ooh. The rule, the golden rule, nothing new
1: on race day. The way that we're going to end this here today, one of the most popular questions I get is people asking me for running playlists. I don't offer them. I don't have anything good to, to like completely wholly put into the world because my running playlist has been a compilation of every song I've ever run to since I was in college and started running. I embarrassingly enough, have a song that I'll unveil after you all unveil what your most embarrassing song on your running playlist is right now. I'll start, okay, I'll I'll kick this off. My most embarrassing song on my running playlist is About Us by Brooke Hogan.
4: Are you serious? I'm
1: not even kidding.
4: She's a musician?
1: She was back in the day. You're a few years younger
4: than me. So. I watched I watched yeah. The Hogan knows best the reality. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. She has she she has some tracks. <laughs> All right. Embarrassing
2: running music. Oh my gosh. Please. I, I I so I have the running list that you have where it's everything I've ever listened to since I started running, but I also have the stuff that like I won't let other people listen to, but I think it's like like this theme song from the anime Your Name but it's like Japanese and like full on like Japanese bop <laughs> and it's awesome <laughs> but if anyone else walked in there they would be like what are you listening to Melody? Tim
0: I'm not embarrassed by this
2: okay <laughs> this let's just put that
0: the club by 50 cent
1: not embarrassing at all
0: um, I think that's definitely on my running board. but a, weir- a weird a weird song it's an outlier in the rest of the playlist so okay but
3: Cheryl? I was gonna say 50 Cent is probably half of my playlist. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I think what's embarrassing about my playlist is that it's super, super ratchet, so if anybody who's (laughs) run with me and heard Sarah shaking her head, it's super, super ratchet. Like So much so that you're like, Cheryl listens to that? Uh, But for some reason, it takes me there, it works for me. I think it was all those years, you know, I'm a little bit older than many of you listening to NWA and Ice Cube and all of them back in the early, early 90s. It was really, really raw. Um, So that's what really is probably embarrassing because some things you don't want to play out loud, but, you know, it is what it is. It gets us through the 26 miles.
4: I would say it's all the same genre because, like, I was saying for the first marathon or half I ran, I was, like, super jittery and stoked to run. So I came out like a cannon. So when I run, I like to listen to, like, soothing music. So it's all R&B music um, and a lot of Lauryn Hill.
1: I thought you were gonna hit us with like it was all classical for Oh
4: me. no, not classical. <laughs> no. I can't go I can't fall asleep. I just need to be like
1: <laughs> I'm talking with some Lauren Hill. Nothing yeah. to be embarrassed about
4: with yeah, that. A lot of Lauren Hill.
1: Awesome. Well I do wanna give a round of applause for our amazing panelists up here. for joining me this evening. Uh, I also do again wanna thank our friends at Lululemon for hosting us tonight. As I mentioned, there are a slew of raffles in the back and all of the proceeds from these raffles will go to back on my feet. But again, I do wanna say thank you to all of you for being a part of this community here in New York. And of course, also for those of you that identify as hurdlers, I'm so grateful for you. Uh, You know how it goes, another hurdle conquered.